You're listening to the Yoga Magic Podcast with host Ashley Sondergaard. Do you remember that first time you took a yoga class? Lying in Shavasana thinking, what is this magic? For me, yoga opened the door to a life full of self-discovery and self-care. This show shines a light on what is possible when you invest in your well-being. And not only for you, but for everyone around you. I interview women in the space of healing, spirituality, beauty, wellness, and of course, yoga. This community of listeners is excited to expand their minds, open new doors, be honest, and sometimes take a big old handstand fall on the way. My hope is that this show gives you a library of accessible new practices that fill up your soul and open your mind. Not all will be perfect for you, but that's the best part. Trying it on and finding your personal favorites. This is Yoga Magic. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to Yoga Magic. I'm so glad you're tuning in today, everyone. I'm your host, Ashley Sondergaard, and we have another really fun episode. Some ghosts, we're talking crystals, psychic talents, all the good things. I always love talking about this like more sort of spooky stuff like spirits. Probably should have known known this growing up that I would fall into this space. I've talked about this before on the show, but I actually worked at a haunted hotel growing up. It was a real like functioning hotel and restaurant, but it was just filled with all sorts of <laughs> spirits and portals. It's called the Palmer House in Sox Center, Minnesota. And it was so funny because I was never scared. It was actually like kind of comforting. And I mean, to the point, like my best friend and Kirsten and I, we would night clerk. We were like 16 years old, alone in this hotel overnight, filled with ghosts. And it just wasn't scary. We were just like, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Felt kind of natural. So here we are today. I actually share a lot more about that experience on episode 37 with guest Meredith McCowan as she, that's one of her favorite places in the whole wide world. (laughs) So it's nice to, you know, Check that one out after you listen to today's episode. All right, my friends, the bulk of our conversation is with the amazing guest, Karen Frazier, about crystals. And I really wanted an expert on the show to speak to the science behind, you know, what the heck crystals actually do. How do they benefit us? Karen is such a funny and a wise teacher in the space. She's published a number of books, her most recent being Psychic Abilities, A Practical Guide to Developing Your Intuition. And she has just years of experience working as a medium and an intuitive. So in this conversation, we chat about her path to psychic work today. You know, why do some spirits stick around her interaction with those? We talk about Claire or about intuitive gifts, the Claire's as she calls them, how they present. We talk about the science of crystals, how they work. Are bigger crystals better than smaller crystals? How do we keep them clean? Just kind of the the nitty gritty of crystals. And we're going to talk a little bit more just about how to develop your own intuition as well. So I, I love this conversation for so many reasons. As far as crystals go, if that's something that's part of your practice, it can be a really nice, you know, complimentary thing to do. You know, we're moving into Taurus season, right? Taurus is about aesthetics and beauty and crystals are just so beautiful and they make you feel good and they create an ambiance. So right now I use crystals in pretty simple ways. I just, I grab those that are calling to me and hold them for meditation. I have a few by my bed to help with sleep. The girls have some under their beds for sleep. I have some wearables that I like and they're just, again, really complementary to my other practices. So Taurus season, think about those crystals. You'll learn a lot more today. 
So thanks to Karen for being on the show. I appreciate her insight so much. Before we get to that, two really exciting announcements. First, I mentioned last week for the first time that we're doing a live yoga magic event in the Twin Cities in May. And being the air, the very eager Aries rising that I am, <laughs> I spoke a little too soon. Don't worry, it's still happening. It's just a date change. So the live Yoga Magic podcast event will be actually be a launch to Wednesday Wellness Series at this really beautiful venue, The New No. If you are on my email list, you'll be hearing about this first. You'll get the notification when tickets go on sale here in the next day or so. But just update your calendars to Wednesday, May 25th at 7 p.m. It's going to be a conversation with our very favorite friends of the pod, Gina Seval, Meredith McCowan, Kelly Smith. There's going to be a sound bath. We have giveaways from sponsors and past guests, including Men Jewelry, Philosophy, Aloha, Simpson & Vail, Tea, Balance Naturals, and so many more. So grab the link in the bio to make sure you're on the Yoga Magic email list to learn more and grab those tickets. Again, that's on Wednesday, May 25th, 7 p.m. You'll be hearing a lot more details as we get closer. And finally, I have such a cool new offering I'm excited to share with you listeners for the first time. If you're someone who's curious about both astrology and human design, but aren't exactly sure how they work together, or maybe you just know nothing about either, these are going to be something really cool for you to check out. I'm partnering up with Sarah Leverett, past guest and intuitive coach, friend of mine, for a joint astrology and human design reading. So these are hour-long readings, and they will really tap into your birth chart, you know, your essence, who you are, and play off the human design chart, which looks at that energy and how you use your energy in a productive way, where you can rest, how they all link up together so that you can you know, efficiently pursue your dreams. These are going to be really cool. The link in the bio to book a session. We're doing them on Wednesday afternoons until maternity leave. So yeah, if that sounds interesting, learn a little bit more in the show notes as well. Okay, friends, enough announcements. Thanks for being here. You can follow us at Yoga Magic Podcast on Instagram. If you love this convo, share it with somebody. I'm so happy you're here. Let's get to the conversation with Karen Frazier. All right. Welcome, Karen. Thank you so much for being on the Yoga Magic Podcast. I'm really excited to learn from you. I've already learned a lot from your books and really I'm honored to talk with you today, specifically about crystals, psychic abilities. Um, for the listeners that are not familiar with your work and, and your career and your books, can you just tell them a little bit about yourself? Well, there's a lot. I've lived a long <laughs> life. <laughs> So, good, good. <laughs> so far, so it's still going well. Hopefully, it'll keep going. Um, so I am a an author and an energy healer and a psychic medium, and I have worked in this field for many years. I'm a natural born psychic. I was a psychic kid, although I suppressed those abilities because I also grew up in a religious household and in, in just in the church where that mm -hmm. stuff wasn't okay. Um, I believe I come from a long line of psychic people who have also done same, have suppressed those abilities. So I had imaginary friends as kids, I, imaginary friends as a kid. Yeah. I And I've always been drawn to things like energy and crystals and rocks and really um, after I had my own children in my thirties and then sort of started to realize that a lot of the things I had that were, I thought were anxiety and mental health issues were actually my psychic abilities, knocking at my door, asking me to stop suppressing them. I begin to work with them and I now work as an energy healer. I work as an author and a teacher. Um, I'm obsessed with crystals. I love them. <laughs> and I also work as a psychic medium and I write books about all of those things. 
Have you found that your kids have these gifts as well? Like you being a nurturing mama to be able to be there for them? Are they starting to develop them? Maybe like you wish you would have when you were younger? Yeah. So my kids are adults. I have a a son that's mine and then I have a stepdaughter. Okay. And um, my stepdaughter, not so much, um, which isn't surprising. She's, she's on the spectrum. And so I think that a lot of her things, I think that she does have some natural stuff. She's incredibly intuitive, although she doesn't recognize it because mm. she doesn't believe in those things, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but my son, for sure, although he is at a stage in his life, he's 25, he's mm-hmm. just starting his career. He's newly married. Um, and he, he has always known he's had these issues and he started telling me when he was about 14, I just want to be normal mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like this is normal. I think everybody has these abilities, but I understood what he meant. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wanted to be perceived as normal among his peers. And so while he is open to them and he has them, he's an incredibly intuitive young man. He doesn't work with them. Mm-hmm. But, but what a nurturing point. experience for him to have you as someone to be able to, you know, Hey, I recognize, right. Recognize what these things are. And I'm always just like in so much gratitude for other brother parents that get this, you know? Yeah. I, I really believe in normalizing it. I've normalized mm-hmm. it with him since he was a very young child. Um, I even remember when he was like three years old, I just would say things to him, like, tell me about before I was your mom. And, um, and I would, so I would say things like that to him and he would tell me and I would listen. Or when he would talk about his imaginary friends, I would listen and so, yeah, I've, I believe in normalizing it because otherwise you create people like I was who have all of these built up anxieties because you're suppressing this very natural part of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that just never really leads anywhere. Good. You need to be who you are. Mm-hmm. When you, you talked about growing up religious um, and that's something that many listeners have experienced. And I get that question a lot. It's like, how do you, how do you reconcile sort of your upbringing with what your belief structure is now? Like for you, did you find some books or some teachers or just like even intuitively kind of pulling it all together? Or was it um, something that you were like, okay, now I know this is the path for me and that isn't anymore. Was it super clear? It was super clear. I was the annoying Sunday school kid who (laughs) asked all the questions, um, all the questions, and um, often wound up with people speaking to my parents about (laughs) me, which is fine. And my parents are actually quite open-minded for for people who have been fairly religious. They're they're fairly open-minded with that stuff. But I just, I was a kid who asked all the questions when I was a teenager, I really started to think deeply about these things and thought, you know, a lot of this just doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work for me. And my parents have always taught us that, that we need to ask questions for ourselves. So even though we all grew up in the same church, I have one sister who is incredibly religious. I have one sister who is, hasn't stepped foot in a church in years, in decades. Mm-hmm. And then there's me. so so we were we were always raised with ask the questions yourself have an open mind um and so it wasn't necessarily the pressure from my parents to not uh have my abilities although I do think that they were uncomfortable with them and um, my father's passed but my mom is still alive and I suspect she's probably still uncomfortable with it Mm -hmm. which is I I 100% understand um 
but yeah, they always said, be your own person, uh, do your own research, find out what works for you. And I've, I've always done that. And I believe that that's what everybody needs to do because maybe what works for me, isn't going to be what works for somebody else. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, it's helping so many people. That's for sure. So I'd love to know about your discovery of your psychic abilities and what you did to, to develop those further. Was there a path or like certain practices? I know, I think so many of us are are feeling this, like we have this, what do we do with them? (laughs) Yeah. So I will start by telling you that I believe everyone has some degree of an intuitive ability. It's um, an inherent ability, just like singing, right. Or Mm -hmm. Um, and, and there are different degrees of talent with that. And then some people can develop it through the work. Some people just naturally have more talent. You know, not everybody is born a Mozart in their field. And, but you can, you can train yourself to the best of your abilities. So with me, um, I have always had very gentle nudges from the universe through my writing. I've been a writer since I was a child. I mentioned before we came on the air, I'm in the middle of a very busy work day. I actually have a real job that I work as a, uh, an editor and a writer for a website called love to know. Oh, cool. um, and- I didn't know that. Yes. So I'm a professional writer. It's what I do. Uh, It's what I've done. But even as a child, I was a writer. And I recognize now looking back that the things that I wrote were very simple stories and poems um, and very simple little things, but they were the universe nudging me and sharing with me intuitive information that came out in my poetry and my stories, even back then. Mm. Um, So for me, writing has always been the process even when I didn't believe in my psychic abilities, I would um, sit down and I would write a question on a piece of paper. And then I would just write whatever the answer was. So basically automatic writing, whatever came into my mind, I would write. Um, This has evolved into what I now understand is channeling. It's channeling divine guidance. So for me, automatic writing was really helpful. I've done some automatic drawing and painting. They're terrible, but I still do them (laughs) because it, anything that helps me tune into the process. um, I really realized about 2007 or eight that um, I needed to start doing some stuff with this. Um, And actually what I started as was an intense interest in ghosts and past Mm. lives and um, bodily or conscious survival of consciousness after bodily death. And I started to be very interested in those things. And I was writing for a magazine at the time called paranormal underground. Um, And I would, I would do things. I would go and get, past life regression hypnotherapy. And I would write about it and I would have somebody take me on a ghost hunt and I would write about it. And through these things, what I recognized is that when I go in places where there's a consciousness that has survived death, I feel it. I've always felt it. I've always recognized it and known it, but just sort of thought it was a party trick. Um, And it turns out that just by going into those places and really allowing myself to explore those things, it helped me to recognize that I needed to start to develop my abilities. Um, I found a type of meditation or many types of meditation that work for me. I'm a movement meditator or an experiential meditator. I don't sit in the Lotus position and chant very often because (laughs) I, I'm not a, I'm, I, as a psychic, I don't do well at clearing my mind um, because there's always stuff coming into it. 
And so I found practices that worked for me. I went places where I could discover things that I absolutely couldn't deny. And through all of these experiences that I provided and gave myself and all of these things that I explored, which was simply following my curiosity, really, um, it allowed me to start to recognize and trust and develop my my abilities. And then I also took Reiki classes and I learned about crystal. Following my curiosity is really what helped. And then again, just like I went to, I attended the university of Sedona and, um, learned as much as I could about metaphysics. I read, I've, I've read like name any, any spiritual author. I've probably read some other stuff, a lot of Eckhart Tolle, a lot of Byron Katie, um, Mm, Abraham Hicks, uh, Neil Donald Walsh. I've read all of that stuff. And it's been very interesting because everything I've read has really confirmed what I've always known and experienced and understood (laughs) without acknowledging. Mm -hmm. I have so many questions. um, When you talk about consciousness that has survived after the physical body is gone, why do you think that happens? Do you have a perspective on that? Ah, Absolutely. I do. Um, I believe that we are all part of source energy. There is one energy that fills the entire universe. um, And that some of us, some pieces of source choose to come into the human experience in order to have, um, in order to help source know itself better. Because if you're just there and all you are is love, that's all you know is love. And you don't, you don't, get to have these other experiences. So I believe we enter human bodies to have an experience of duality where we can say, I am this, but not that I am this, but not that. So where you have the opposites of things, um, the opposite of that, that prana or chi energy divides, Mm -hmm. um, and to experience a balance of those things. So that's why we come, uh, we come multiple times and I believe we're just packets of source energy that, um, (laughs) keeps recycling into bodies. And for whatever reason, each packet has its own path to help to help source discover itself. Sorry, this is all very esoteric. I love it. Um, It has its own path to help source discover itself. And so we come back because that's part of the path. But really, again, what we're doing is we're packets of source energy that are following our curiosity. So our consciousness may stick around as a ghost for a while because we want to have the experience of, hey, this is what it's like to be a ghost who doesn't know that I'm a ghost. They don't know. You don't think they know? Some do, some don't. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, some do some, I mean, if so I've, I've communicated with a lot of dead people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's one of the things I do. And, um, a lot of them are on the other side coming back because they want to check on loved ones. There's just, there's as many reasons for spirits sticking around as there are spirits sticking around, right? They may be following loved ones. They may be attached to something physical that they don't want to leave right now for whatever reason. They may have unfinished business or some may just want the experience of being a spirit. When consciousness survives bodily death, what that means is we're ghosts, we're reincarnated, we go to what you call heaven or whatever you want to call it. We return to source. We are these packets of conscious source energy And we go on and on and on. Um, Energy is neither, it it can't be destroyed. It can change forms. And that's all we are. We become energy that changes forms. So consciousness survives death because you can't kill energy. It's so funny because I asked that question to a lot of guests and I get 
I get the same answer. It's it's so consistent. And I love Mm -hmm. that. And I had the the absolute joy when I was growing up, I worked in a hotel that had so much spirit energy and it was known for that. It was like a tourist sort of destination in that sense. But I always like, it didn't scare me. It always made me feel really just connected and comforted. And I think that's why I do what I do today. No, I totally get it. I, to me, it's very, um, so people, when people die, I still feel sad, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, because I'm going to miss hugging them and, and laughing with them and all of those things. Um, but it is very comforting to understand that we go on, even if this doesn't go on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the next follow-up question to just your whole amazing career path is it seems as though even in the last several years, more and more people are getting tuned in to to all of this amazingness. They're becoming awake. Do you, for someone who has been studying this for a long time and is really um, has a lot of experience, do you find that encouraging or is that something that you're like, I don't know. It sometimes seems like everybody is an intuitive these days for better or worse. What are your yeah, thoughts? I, I think it's great. Um, I, you know, everybody has their own path, right. And right. there are certainly people who over exaggerate, maybe their intuitive gifts. That doesn't mean they are not intuitive, but you know, there, there are, I, I do think that there is misuse of this energy, but mm-hmm. in general, I think what's happening is as humanity, we are evolving and shifting. Um, we are moving from, an old stage of consciousness into a newer stage of consciousness, a higher level of consciousness in while we're in our bodies. And um, part of that is always going to be, there's going to be the pushback of old energy. We sure are seeing that in the last uh, four or five, six years, right? Um, that old energy is pushing back because it doesn't understand the shift. But I do believe that we're in a shift of consciousness that really started back in the sixties mm-hmm. um, and will continue to last for probably as long as it's already lasted. But we've kind of we're, we're what's happening now in the last several years is we're cresting that hill mm. and we'll be on the other side here real soon. Mm. Okay. I, it makes me excited. And I'm also sometimes like to people that have been doing this for a long time, roll their eyes at those of us that have only like kind of been into it in the last few years. No, absolutely not. Um, because anybody shifting is a good thing because you get this critical mass, right. Where one or two people, if you've ever had an experience of like group meditation, Mm -hmm. um, you, you know, that it's much more powerful in a group than by yourself. Right. Right. And so this higher level of consciousness is much more powerful and everybody has their own stage of evolution and where they are. And I honor and recognize all of them from those who are these brand new baby souls, just trying to figure it all out to the really ancient wise old souls who have seen and seen everything and are just ready to be done with this crap. Right. Right. There's mm-hmm. the whole spectrum and all of those are necessary parts for shifting consciousness. Mm-hmm. I don't roll my eyes at anyone. I, okay. I, I didn't, you didn't seem like someone yeah, who I honor everybody wherever they are on their path, because I've been in different places on my path and in different lifetimes, I've been in other different ones. And right. someday I'll be one of those weary old souls who, you know, is 
<laughs> tired of it all too. So I've seen it all. Yeah. I love the new book. I'm really excited um, to share that with the audiences. And I, if you could just give an overview, I know it's about psychic abilities, just of the different types of psychic abilities. Um, and obviously the, the book has lots more detail. Sure. So the book is called the ultimate guide to psychic ability, either a ability or abilities. I came out with two new books, like within a month of each other. So I'm glad you <laughs> told me which one it was. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, um, and so uh, it's basically, it, it starts with the premise that everybody has the capacity to have these abilities. And it talks about how to start to recognize them um, because a lot of people have these things that are happening and they don't recognize it as psychic ability. And then it, it also talks about how to awaken them, how to support kids when they have them, um, things like that. I talk about all of the clairs, the different types of ability, which are the, the clear seeing, the clear hearing, tasting, smelling, um, feeling. Um, for instance, I am, and everybody, it manifests differently for everybody. I think everybody has different degrees of all of the clairs, but just like, um, how you learn, right? So some people are visual learners. When I train a new a, a new writer for our website, I always first thing I ask them is, "Tell me how you learn. Tell me how you need me to present this information. Um, do you need to see it? Do you need to hear it? Do you need to work with it? Um, things like that." So just like you have a way that's kind of the primary and secondary ways you learn best, um, you have probably primary and secondary ways that you also perceive this psychic ability. So for me. My primary is I am an empath, I physical and emotional empath. I feel everything everybody I am with is feeling. I have ways to control that um, so that I'm not like all over the place all the time. But um, and so I can tell when it's psychic information versus my own feelings, because I've learned to recognize and hone that um, for somebody who is in the visual arts, for instance, they may be more clairvoyant where mm -hmm. they flashes of images in their head. And people think it's going to be this big, huge vision where something is standing in front of you, right? And it can be. Um, but more likely, it's very quick, ephemeral, subtle flashes of images that flash through your head so fast, almost like um, you're probably too young to know this. But when I was in school, we had film strips. Did you have film strips when you were in school? I think we did. Yeah. I remember. Okay. So like a film strip, you see little flashes of image from like a mm -hmm. film strip. Um, that's kind of a way that people can start to recognize clairvoyance, or they may have very visually, um, acute dreams where the things that stand out in the dreams most are visual. Those are often a way to identify psychic, um, clairvoyance. If you're clairaudient, you may hear, and you don't necessarily hear them with your ears, although you can, you can also hear them in your head. You may hear snippets of music. You may hear noises, sighs, um, I mind manifest a lot of times um, when psychic information is about to come in as pressure in my ears. I feel pressure in yes. my ears when they're going to pop. Mm -hmm. Or like ringing. Is that a, yeah, is that a one of those? high pitched mm -hmm. ringing in your ears. Those mm -hmm. are all signs of, of possible clairaudience. Um, or you just may think in terms of sounds. I have one friend who's incredibly clairaudient. And when she was coming to terms with being clairaudient, what she would say is, well, I think I just hear better than other people. Because <laughs> she was hearing things that weren't physically here. Yeah. So, um, you know, you may notice tastes in your mouth. You may notice um, aromas. I smell ozone. 
Mm. right before I'm about to have a psychic experience. I can actually smell ozone. When I smell ozone or feel that pressure in my ears, I know I need to tune in because something's trying to communicate with me. Um, so people may smell things like smell an aroma of flowers or a fragrance. So it's, you smell something that's not actually there. Right. Um, and again, somebody might say, well, I just have a really acute sense of smell. Well, you also might be getting, um, psychic information that way. Uh, people may feel sensations in their body. I have what I call spidey sense. When I walk into a haunted place, my body immediately goes, <laughs> that's also psychic. You may have physical sensations in your body when you're around people who are sick or not feeling well, that's a form of empathy. Um, uh, you might just suddenly know stuff mm -hmm. that you didn't know before that's, um, clear cognizance. Mm -hmm. So there's all of these different ways and it's just really a matter of paying attention to the subtle things that pop into your mind. Very, very subtle to start and recognizing that those things may indeed be your psychic information trying to reach you and just pay attention and follow it for a minute and see if you learn anything from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's not writing it off or thinking it's silly. It's just a matter of like, Oh, what's that? And, but you can have a variety of them, right? You obviously you oh, do yeah, like really anyone can have, you can be clear cognizant and clear audience maybe yeah. one is stronger than the other. Um, and it's a matter of potentially developing those gifts. Yeah, as it's you a matter of paying them. attention, not ignoring them, um, developing them and just really listening to the signals that you're getting mm -hmm. for sure. And I think everybody has all of them. I just think that we have some that are, that speak to us more because we understand them more. Mm -hmm. So if someone was had no idea where their Claire was and they wanted to identify it. Do you have a practice or a suggestion of like how they could just start to pay attention to which channel yeah, it's coming in to how they learn learning? Okay. That you said paying that attention That's a great to the question. best way mm -hmm. that you learn. Um, so if you're somebody who really needs to have somebody speak to you for you to learn that stuff, tell you things mm -hmm. and you're probably Claire audience. Um, if you need to manipulate things and touch things, um, and like my son with math, I had to teach him by having him manipulate things when he was mm -hmm. little, that was how he learned math. He is incredibly clairsentient, sentient. He, mm -hmm. he feels it all. Um, he has to, he interacts with things that way. Um, if you're somebody who's into the visual arts and you learn best by looking at things, right, then you may be clairvoyant. If you're drawn to the visual arts, if your talent is in the visual arts, um, you may be clairvoyant. If your talent is in the, um, sorry, I do this all the time. I start to get psychic information and I lose my train of thought. <laughs> I bet. If you're talent, yeah, I lose my keys like eight times a day. <laughs> I lose all sorts of stuff. Um, anyway, if your talent is music, you may be clairaudient. Mm -hmm. So look to where your talents and your learning styles are, and you'll find your most predominant. Um, and if you're somebody whose emotions are all over the place all of the time, and you don't understand why, you may be empathic. Just impact, yeah. And if you're somebody who has lots of aches and pains, you also may be empathic. Mm. 
Definitely. I love to tie the birth chart into a lot of this and, and I love to study astrology and I'm, and I'm just, it's just making me think, I wonder if, to, if we were to look at Mercury, if you might be able to see really like, wow, okay, you have an earth Mercury, like this is how it shows up for you. And if yeah, that might be my be, next study. <laughs> I, I think so. Um, so I know enough about astrology to be dangerous. I actually, that's one of the things I edit. I have an astrology writer. I trust her. So I've read all of her stuff and edit all her stuff. So I know enough to be dangerous, but I don't know enough to, to really know that. But I know, for instance, that people who have Scorpio in totally. their mm-hmm. are tend to have really, really deep abilities. Uh, people who have a lot of water in their charts mm-hmm. tend to, to be more empathic, for mm-hmm. instance. Um, so yeah, I think it could, it definitely, oh, there's, yeah. there's a correlation because your astrology and your numerology and your palms and all of those things are simply your karmic imprints. Mm-hmm. Um, they're imprints of the karma that you brought into this life for the things that you're going to get to work with, the opportunities that you get to work with in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just so cool, like how it all interconnects. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I, I want to touch a little bit on crystals as well, because okay. I think that's originally how I found your work is, is through your knowledge of crystals. And I get, I do get a lot of questions about crystals and, and the, one of the most common questions is like, do these work? Like how do, how do crystals work? (laughs) And I've listened to you on other shows talk about this as well. What's your, I know you have lots of data and science. Can you share a little bit on that? So I will say ultimately everything, every bit of energy healing, every tool you use, even things like yoga or I, I'm a Nia white belt. So Nia, um, things like that, all of that has to do with intention. It all ultimately works through intention. Okay. However, from a physical standpoint, crystals and other forms of energy healing work through vibration and vibrational entrainment, which is actually a principle of physics. There was a guy, his name was Christian Huygens, who was a Dutch physicist back in, I believe the 1600s. He had um, the TikTok cuckoo clocks that he put them on the wall next to each other or the Mm -hmm. pendulum clocks. And they were going at different rates. And when he put them on the wall next to each other, what he found is after time, they moved together. Mm -hmm. This is called entrainment. When objects vibrating at different frequencies are placed in proximity, they meet somewhere in the middle and begin to vibrate together. You can see this, uh, the coolest thing. So I'm a musician. Um, so for me, I, uh, music is my language. I speak music very well. Um, metronomes, mechanical mm-hmm. metronomes. There are, if you look up on like YouTube, there are experiments of entrainment where there are 50 different mechanical metronomes, all ticking at different tempos, swinging back and forth at different tempos. And over time, they're all doing this together. I mean, how cool is that? It's so cool. Yeah. And that's how crystals work. So ultimately how crystals work is through entrainment. They, um, you bring them near you or whatever you're working on the crystal with, uh, your energy rises, their energy drops, they meet somewhere in the middle. And that's why you have to cleanse crystals is so they go back to their original energy so that when you meet in the middle, next time you meet a little higher and a little higher and a little higher. And each, you know, we talk about, oh, this benefit of this crystal and this benefit of this crystal, like, does that work within the, the entrainment idea? It does. Um, and so, because it, those are the, the color and the um, internal structure, the lattice structure of the crystal actually have frequency. 
And that's what gives the crystals their specific properties uh, really quick, because this is like a big, long, several hours course. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But really quickly, essentially color has frequency, right? right. So um, it's, it's just the vibrational frequency that hits your eyes. Um, and the lattice structure of crystals have frequency and your chakras all have frequency, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So when a crystal works for a specific thing, it, because it's because it vibrates or tunes the frequency of a specific chakra, which works with various, um, different physical, emotional, and spiritual issues in your life. For instance, your heart chakra, um, is going to be heart and lungs physically, right. And anything kind of in the middle of your body, your shoulders, things like that. Um, it's about love, compassion, and forgiveness. Um, and, emotions like kindness and things like that. And so if you work with, and it's the color is green. If you work with a green crystal, it will work with your heart chakra and it can help create balance of that energy so that those emotions then become more or less pronounced. For instance, I always use my, um, I'll use my own. I always use my husband and he's always like, everybody knows too much about me. I have the same problem. (laughs) So um, I'll use myself. I have Hashimoto's thyroiditis um, Mm. and that's a throat chakra issue. It's also a root chakra issue. Um, So throat chakra, uh, people with thyroid issues, usually um, overactive thyroid means probably they have too much energy in their throat chakra. Underactive thyroid typically means that they don't have enough energy in that throat chakra. So for me, it manifests as underactive energy in my throat chakra. I have always been somebody who is a people pleaser. Mm -hmm. um, And therefore I struggle to speak my truth, which many women do. This is why hypothyroidism, I believe, is more um, common in women than men, uh, because we struggle to speak our truth because we have underactive throat chakras. Mm-hmm. It's all interconnected. Um, one can cause the other. There's, there's not, it's not like my underactive throat chakra caused my thyroid. It might be that my thyroid caused my underactive sh- throat chakra. It could be that childhood trauma caused an underactive throat chakra. There's all of these things, right? But I had a very major throat chakra um, uh energy healing experience many, many years ago where I had had a sore throat for months that wouldn't go away an extremely severe sore throat. And I went to an energy healer who was also a medical doctor because I wanted my insurance to pay for it. (laughs) And she did Reiki and put blue crystals on my throat. I started to cry. I ugly cried, not pretty cried. It wasn't the single tear. It was, (laughs) (laughs) I did that. I did it I did it on and off for three days. Um, this is not a common reaction, but it is a reaction some people have. I had an incredibly um, blocked throat chakra, probably as a result of childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't need to go into that, but it was there. I, I recognize the source of it. And um, that sore throat went away, but I still have a propensity to this underactive throat chakra. And so I work with a lot of blue crystals, um, which are throat chakra crystals to help keep that open because as a writer and as a musician, creative expression is extremely important. That comes from your throat chakra. Mm -hmm. And so it's an ongoing effort and an ongoing energy management effort that I continuously make so that my throat chakra is open and I use blue crystals for that. So that's kind of how the crystals tie into our energetic system and ties into our spiritual, emotional, and physical health. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, that was the best answer for this because I've been wanting someone to like, can you just explain it to, for okay, those so of I us? Okay, I did that, answer your question. Totally did I felt it. Like yes. I wandered away for a nope, few minutes. You did. And okay, so then if it's a crystal, let's say is like a bigger, like I have some, I have a really amazing um, big citrine that I have. Is that one more powerful than say my little pillar that I have? Um. Yes. The yes. bigger, mm-hmm. just the surface area, right? It still has the same frequency. It still has the same vibration. It still has the same properties, but there's more of it. So mm-hmm. there's more energy coming at you. Mm-hmm. So for instance, um, if you were to walk into a cave of crystals, it would feel very different, but then uh, holding a small crystal, but there are some crystals that even a tiny little piece of crystal it's going to feel like it's about to blow the top of your head off. Moldavite would be one example. I was thinking, yes. Moldavite and phenakite would be two good examples. I have a scolocyte, a really big scolocyte as well. I love, I love Is it a spray? Is it a, they're so beautiful. They're so beautiful. And it, I mean, as far as like tapping into these abilities and I had it by my bed and it was actually a little bit too much. So I had to, Mm -hmm. I moved it away into some of my like learning spaces and, yeah, yeah, very cool. Yeah, I use I wear these um crystals that are called tools for evolution. Mm-hmm. They're just various little pendants that also combine sacred geometry and oh, they're yeah. incredibly powerful. And um I've turned a lot of my friends on to them too. When you start wearing them at first, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Like a lot, a lot. I had one friend, I he's got a new one and we were going somewhere. We we're down in Portland, going somewhere in the car. And I'm an empath. So every time he would start, he would get the sweats from this crystal. And every time he would start, <laughs> sweats, I would be so hot. I'd be like, Andy, are you, are, are you sweating? <laughs> so even little tiny crystals, there are little tiny crystals that have, um, that may be sacred geometric shapes, or they just may be super pure, or they may be these really high vibration crystals like phenakite that will, um, feel like a great big giant piece of amethyst wood or something or walking okay. of selenite. So cool. I love that. And then you mentioned cleansing. Can you talk about your favorite cleansing practices? Um, I use Palo Santo smoke. I um, just Palo Santo smoke. I, I cleanse all of my crystals every Sunday. I cleanse my entire house every Sunday. I just mm-hmm. think it's good energy hygiene, especially with all of the spiritual energy that comes into my house. Um, and so I will just, when I'm cleansing my house, I will cleanse my crystals. Um, You can, the crystals you wear daily, I suggest you take them off at night unless you're wearing them for dreams and you put them in a little selenite bowl or plate because that will recharge them every day so that they're always vibrating at their highest frequency for you. Um, And then I also will use Reiki, like just put them in my hands and use Reiki, or you can use sound. You can put them in a singing bowl and just strike the singing bowl. You Mm. can only do a couple at a time and not really big ones, but Mm -hmm. I Palo Santo smoke is kind of my go-to. I don't recommend salt because it can etch crystals. Mm -hmm. Do you ever do it in the moon? Because it can, it can moonlight is okay. Sunlight also will cleanse them, but it can fade the color. um, Yeah. Moonlight is just, um, yeah, I think moonlight's a great way to do it. It's a matter of remembering to do it. Right? I know, yeah. I've gotten my kids into the habit. They're my daughters are four and six, and they're like, All right, mom, it's a full moon. We get to put out the crystals. Or like, so do you do the moon water too then? Some yeah, if just a matter if we remember to or not. Um mm-hmm. 
And the la- last few times that we've actually remembered, it's been an eclipse. So I've been like, yeah, we probably shouldn't do that today. <laughs> but that's, there's so many ways, but I like, yeah, even just like Sunday, Sunday cleanse. That sounds so much Sunday. I, I do it every Sunday. I, um, it's just what I do, you know, because we live our lives in our homes. Um, and the crystals are meeting whatever energy is around them in the middle. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And stuff happens. People get sick. You have arguments with your spouse. You have a bad day at work and I work from home. So all of my work energy is also here in my, my home. Um, you have a bad day at work. You maybe somebody dies, you know, there's all of these little things, right? You get a bill that was a surprise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause life happens, life happens in your home. And so I just think as a a form of energy hygiene that you cleanse everything in your home. I start at my front door with my little Palo Santo, or sometimes I'll use Palo Santo and have my husband walk behind me with ting shaws and ring the ting shaws. Mm, yeah. um, and I just go clockwise around my house into every corner. I circle and use Reiki symbols over every entrance into my house. The things I consider entrances to my house are doors, windows, vents, drains, like toilets and showers. Mm-hmm. Um, and also mirrors. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Cause that reflects energy. Yep. And-, and I just go all the way around my house. I go into every closet house smells really good after. And I recommend you use Palo Santo versus Sage, because if you use Sage, you need to burn something after it because Sage is like a broad spectrum antibiotic for energy. So when you take a broad mm. spectrum antibiotic, it kills all of the bacteria, right? And you have to follow it with good bacteria. I've never yeah. heard that. That's so yeah. interesting. And so sage removes all energy. So mm-hmm. I always recommend if you're going to do sage, which is fine, um, burn something after it like sweet grass or Palo Santo. So I just use Palo Santo because okay. it smells good too. It does smell good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ugh, so cool. So last question I always want to gather from, from guests is what do you do to take care of yourself? What are your practices, spiritual, self-care, whatever fills up your cup? Um, I mentioned I am a Neo white belt. Um, what really fills up my cup, honestly, is nature. Uh, our kids are grown and my husband and I are at a stage in our life where we were traveling a lot before COVID and, um, going places in nature. And so now we do it as road trips. Mostly. This is the first time this trip we took to Sedona a couple weeks ago was the first time I've been on a plane in two years. Yeah. <laughs> And so we go places of great natural beauty. Fortunately, I live in Washington state, which is an incredibly beautiful state. Um, But, you know, go stand on the edge of the Grand Canyon, go to Sedona, go sit with your back against a tree. Um, Those are my primary self-care practice is being outside, um, grounding, connecting to the earth. Uh, I'm barefoot as much as I can be even in the winter um, because connecting to the earth and I have filled my life with people and things that I love and that matter to me. And um, the things that I don't love and the things that I don't matter to me, I take care of them as quickly as I can and then dispatch of them. That doesn't mean I'm mad at them or I hate them. I just remove them from my space. So my space is all about things that that nourish and nurture me. And that's how I take care of myself. Mm-hmm. You must have some Libra. I hear some things that you said. You have a lot of Libra I am a Libra rising. I oh, am Sagittarius, okay, yeah. Sun, Moon, and Libra rising. Yeah. Ooh, Sag combo. That's nice. That's where all that deep spirituality and wisdom comes from. Cool. I love that lineup. Yeah, awesome. it worked for me. <laughs> 
Well, thank you so much for your time and your expertise, Karen. This is, I really enjoy your work and it was a pleasure to chat. Um, Can you tell listeners where to find you and your books and all of the good work that you're doing? Sure. The easiest and fastest way to find me is on my website, authorkarenfraser.com. Um, it's spelled F-R-A-Z-I-E-R. That links to all of my books. Um, it links to everything. I have two new books out. The one you mentioned, The Ultimate Guide to Psychic Ability. And then I also have um, a new book called Essential Crystal Meditation. It is, I mean, I say this about all of my books when I write them, but this is my favorite <laughs> crystals book I've written because um it gives you something to do with the crystals, a lot yeah. of people like crystals, but don't know what to do with them. Um, and so it has specific meditation practices. So I'm really proud of that book. Um, I am also on Instagram as author K Fraz, and I'm on Facebook as author Karen Frazier. And I also have a Reiki group, a Reiki share group on Facebook called the share Reiki community. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Karen. I really, really appreciate it. And yeah, I hope listeners find their way to you. Thanks again for tuning in today. Thanks to Karen for sharing your insight. Make sure to check out the show notes for more information on the upcoming events. Get on that email list. And if you love this episode, consider sharing it with someone. You can follow us on Instagram at Yoga Magic Podcast. Thanks, friends. See you next week.